This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Time for Fan Mail Friday, where we'll be answering your questions and dropping some knowledge and feedback to help you kick the weekend off right. If you're new to the Art of Charm podcast, this isn't the best place to start. Most of our content is more in-depth and longer format. So check out the best of at theartofcharm.com slash best or the fundamentals toolbox at theartofcharm.com slash toolbox. That's where we've got the fundamentals of body language, nonverbal communication, attraction, negotiation, networking, etc., and everything else we teach here at The Art of Charm. All right, let's cut to it. Jared writes, I have a question I was hoping you might take the time to answer, and I hope, should you choose to do so, that it would be with an open mind because of the questionable subject. In the past year, I've been seeing a woman who is currently addicted to heroin. What? A friend of mine for years that just recently became more than a friend. I'm having serious issues with being overprotective and jealous. I think mostly because in the past she has had stints of prostitution to support her habit. Jesus. Okay. It keeps getting better. I'm madly in love with this girl and we live together. Since we started seeing each other, she has not given me a reason not to trust her. I beg to differ, but okay. Hang on. You're you're, you're a callous bastard, Jason. This isn't a laughing matter. She does, however, talk a lot about past relationships and told me she has cheated in almost all of them. I believe the past is the past and that it shouldn't mean that I shouldn't just write her off and move on. How do I get over the jealousy and protectiveness? And do you think it's just a lost cause and that I should move on? Oh, man, I feel bad because it's like we're kind of chuckling over here, but this is really serious. I mean, this is not... I mean, this is so bad that we're uncomfortably laughing. I mean, th- there's obvious red flags at every turn. And I'm, I'm instead of just blanket statement, hey, there's red flags all over, I'm going to go through this email and mark them for everyone. So first of all, he even starts, I hope you'll go through this with an open mind because of the questionable, questionable subject matter. He already knows. This is, your, this is your clue, Jared. You already know the answer to this because you've already had the same negative reaction either from your friends and family or you're having it yourself and you know what everyone thinks about this. And so I get your concern here, but you should take that as your first indicator. In the past year, you've been seeing a woman who's currently addicted to heroin. Heroin is not uh, somebody who smokes pot a lot. Heroin's not somebody who uh, even has like, you know, some kind of eating disorder or body dysmorphia or something where you can you know, work on this and still be in kind of a functional relationship at the same time. This is a serious, serious, debilitating drug. Uh, there are very few functional heroin addicts. Yeah, heroin is basically the destroyer of worlds. It is, yeah. And she was a friend of yours for years, so you, you kind of knew what you were getting into, and now she became more than a friend. But I got to wonder why you selected that to happen, especially at this time. I'm having serious issues with being overprotective and jealous. I think that's because... And like you said, in the past, she had stints of prostitution to support her habit. Yes, maybe that's why. But there's a lot of other things going on here that I'm sure didn't make the email that are causing you not to trust her, even though in the next line you actually say you've given me no reason not to trust her. She's 
a heroin addict that actually prostitutes to support her habit. I'm not judging the prostitution angle. I'm just using it as sort of an indicator of how desperate this woman must be to get her fix that she's actually willing to sell her body to do it. You should really think about the level of commitment she has to the drug versus the level of commitment she's going to have to your relationship. Uh, you can't, I shouldn't say you can't, it's going to be very hard to make those two things compatible and you'd have to be comfortable with that, but you're writing us because you're not comfortable with that. And she also talks about a lot about past relationships. He said, and she's cheated in almost all of them. That's a big problem. And there's yet another red flag and yet another reason, as you said above, not to trust her, even though you want to sweep that under the rug too. You might believe the past is the past, but guess what? It's the best indicator that you have of her future behavior, bar none. So I don't think you should write her off and move on, I think you should end your relationship with her and get her into rehab. If you really care about her, you don't need to date her. You need to get her to rehab ASAP. She needs to actually want to be there as well. And don't worry about your jealousy and protectiveness. That will go away when you're just friends with her again. You know, you can be protective and you can be jealous, but you shouldn't be in a relationship with somebody that makes you feel that way. And you're, you know, she's not making these feelings come out of you. You guys are both doing this by being in a relationship right now. So that's really bad news. There's a lot of mistrust in multiple places. You're just choosing to ignore them. You need to get her help. Uh, like I said, she needs rehab, not a relationship. But you need to also ask yourself, it's not just about her, you need to ask yourself why you're screening in people who literally need you to survive. That says more about what's going on in your head and how you value yourself. So I would look at therapy for yourself as well. Like Jason, Jason, you had a little a little button to put on this one. I was just going to say, if she hasn't like taken your DVD and your credit card or your DVD player and your credit cards yet, go out and rent train spotting because it is one of the most realistic looks at what happens when people get hooked on heroin. I know it is a fictionalized version, but I've had a lot of friends that have gotten hooked on heroin. Some of them are dead. But if you stay with her you are eventually going to be one of those people that also get hooked on heroin. I've seen it time and time again. So get out and get help and listen to Jordan. Yeah, wow. I didn't realize that, Jason. It's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Being around that is dangerous in itself for you. All right, next up. Angelo writes, one of my friends suggested your show to me, specifically the Toolbox episodes, and I have been hooked. I can already see significant positive changes in my relationships, and I feel so much more confident and in control of my life. One question, though, relates to power dynamics of relationships. Last year, in my junior year of college, I really started focusing on getting a good group of friends together. Think Wolfpack. But I was always the one reaching out to the other people, and that gave them all the power in the relationship. I want to have a really close group of friends that I can count on meeting with on a regular basis, but I don't always want to be the one doing the inviting. How can I solve this problem? So is a young guy here, so I totally understand. There's a couple things here. You know, my gut says ditch these people. They're selfish, and that'll come through in other ways if it hasn't already. Uh, however, if you grew up with these people and they are they mean a lot to you and you you're okay with the one putting in all the effort, then fine. You can stay friends with them. Don't expect them to change. Don't try to change them. That's the dynamic of the relationship. You're the one who gets to do all the work. However, if you don't like it, and I feel like you don't because that's what you're writing in to ask, you should look at it like this. This is a self-confidence thing. You know that these people don't really reach out. They maybe don't value you. And you have to kind of look at how do they relate to their other friends? Are they reaching out to their other friends all the time and you're just the one who's not? Because 
you know the above already, right? You're you're afraid to lose these friends because you don't think at some level you're not sure you can find other people or you're not sure that other relationships would be any better. And that says a little bit more about you and the way that you're thinking than it does about your friends. You can't change your friend's behavior. You can change the way you value yourself. And that's, trust me, it's a lot easier and more realistic to do that. John writes, hey, Jordan, I've started trading secondhand goods online and I'm feeling a bit guilty. I've been making about $1,000 a week extra on top of my working wage for little work. After talking to and getting to know the people I buy and sell with, I feel somewhat like I'm ripping these people off. I feel like I'm not adding any value to these people's lives and all I'm doing is taking money out of their pockets. I'm used to doing everything I can to help the people around me and in terms of customer service and shipping the goods, I do my best, but before this, I always helped others for free. Is it that I don't value my own time I spend dealing with customers or that I'm actually doing something wrong? Yeah, you know, this is interesting because I I had a different sort of answer prepared, but now that I think about it, one of the reasons this is cropping up is because you used to help other people for free. So you used to value your own time at zero. So that's part of it. But, you know, the other thing here is you said you're selling secondhand goods. I don't know if maybe you're worried about the quality of the goods. I I like to go by the rule, if you wouldn't buy it, don't sell it. Uh, That goes for all of the products and programs at Art of Charm, everything, you know, if I wouldn't consume it, I wouldn't sell it. You're probably being tainted by programming that makes you feel guilty, not for your actions in terms of selling, but by profiting itself. It's a mismatch for your self-worth in what you feel like your life should be like. And that could be a good thing. It could be stepping outside your comfort zone, which is a sign of growth. That said, if you sold someone a piece of crap, just give them a refund and, and learn from it. But I think it has more to do with the value you're putting on your own time because this is a new business for you. And maybe you don't have another business. I don't know. We don't know from the letter. I don't know, Jason. What do you think? Well, yeah, it's kind of hard to tell from the letter. But as he was saying before, he was giving away his time for free. But, you know, most businesses are middlemen. And if you buy low, sell high, that's just business. And you should never feel bad about that. Yeah, nobody nobody slams on Warren Buffett for cutting a check and making billions of dollars as a result, right? Even though he's adding no real value to the company other than publicly traded finance, which they would get elsewhere. Right. So it's, it's all, it's all in your head. Yeah. At least John here is putting in, putting in the time and effort to go find the goods, sell the goods, package, ship, do customer service. His time is worth money. So he needs to value his own time and charge what he, you know, what's appropriate for his time. And it sounds like he's making money. So he just needs to get over the guilt. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very common with people who are new to business in general is they feel guilty making a profit because they know how easy it was for them. But it's like, for me, my coaching time, I might be telling somebody something where I'm like, well, yeah, you should just do this and this and this because that's what I would do. But the fact is I spent 20 years learning the hard way what not to do. So that's actually worth money to them. It's about the value to them, not about the effort that you put in or the work involved on your end directly, right? It's a combination of those things. Absolutely. Next up. Edward writes, wanted to say thanks for admitting when you're wrong on Fan Mail Fridays. I find that generally people are more interested in being right than they are in finding the most correct answer. I appreciate it when people acknowledge when their perspective isn't spot on, particularly when they are a thought leader in their respective space. I wish I ran into this more in the space I work in. The most recent episode was the frat bro episode. Admitting I'm wrong sucks. I hate doing it. But... You know, if I just sweep all of the times that I'm wrong under the rug, I just feel like that's kind of a BS thing. It's like the podcast equivalent of social media where you're only posting your vacation pictures, so it looks like your life is one big vacation, even though when you're not posting, you're like 
wading through raw sewage or whatever your day job is. So integrity really is all we have. You know, I've I've said this before. Trust takes years to develop and it takes moments to destroy and it's never worth it. So if I'm not portraying an accurate image of of my communication with you guys as the audience and the way that I interact with normal people and the way that I have normal conversations when I'm wrong, then it's inauthentic and, you know, I don't like that. So thanks for being a fan. Please write us an iTunes review that helps other people find the advice they need and helps us outrank corporations that spend a hundred grand a month promoting their podcast. So you're welcome. If I can admit I'm wrong more and it gets me, you know, more credibility among you guys, which again is the most important thing to me, then I'm all about it. Jordan, hope this finds you well. Recently, I've been tasked with figuring out ways to market to more healthcare slash hospital potential clients for our consulting firm. With that said, I thought it would be a good idea to leverage my alumni network at Cornell. However, there was always something that bothered me about alumni reaching out to me asking me for something. And with the give and take philosophy, I'm trying to think of something to offer an alum when I reach out to them without coming across as manipulative. Do you have any ideas of how I could connect with alumni to see if they could benefit from our outstanding healthcare consulting services without being too salesy? Your insight is appreciated. Namar. Yeah, you know, here's the problem. This is why one of the main concepts of networking, we talk a lot about this in uh, the social capital product as well that we came out with. I don't know if we've announced that yet, but uh, it's dig your well before you're thirsty. You got to build that network before you need it. And the reason is because now, no matter what you do to start the conversation with these people from your alumni network, if you go, hey, just wanted to say, here's a free Cornell sweatshirt. By the way, if you looked at our unique, outstanding healthcare consulting services, no matter what you do, it's inauthentic because really your agenda is to get your outstanding healthcare consulting services in front of them, right? If you'd spent a few months helping people out with different things that that are for their business, for their life, you're creating that network, you're creating those relationships. Right now, you don't have a relationship. So if your primary reason for reaching out to create that relationship is to get something for yourself, you have pretty much already failed the networking game. There's nothing you can do right now that's not manipulative if your agenda is to get them healthcare consulting services, unless what you do is you say, hey, everybody, I have great healthcare consulting services. I'd love to speak with people interested in this. Here are some benefits. It's not a good way to make sales. It's really, really sort of a fishing expedition, for lack of a better word, and it's not going to be that successful. So what I would do now, instead of trying to sell people things, is do what we teach at AOC, which is reach out and figure out how you can help other people get what they want. And then a few months down the line, you can ask them to take a look at your product. There's still the agenda there, but you're going to have to delay it as much as possible and deliver a lot of value before these people like and trust you enough to do business with you. Hey, before we go, I want to actually talk a little bit about the blog. You know, we send people to the blog in the intro to the show, but we don't really talk in detail about what's on there. One of the latest articles that's making a nice little splash, what happens when I compare myself to successful people? We talk about what happens when we hear how someone else is doing well and the mixed feelings we might get about that and how sometimes we end up hating and how we hate hating, right? Like, oh, good, they're not doing that well. And why we compare ourselves to others, we talk about that. We talk about how to uh, maybe get over that a little bit and actually be genuinely happy for others and ourselves as well and be a little bit more present. So go ahead and check that out. That's theartofcharm.com slash blog. And of course, you'll see our networking guide is available there as well. So 
Hope you all enjoyed this. Don't forget you can reach me, Jordan, at theartofcharm.com. I read everything and I'd love to hear from you. More from The Art of Charm at theartofcharm.com. Now have a great weekend. Get out there and connect and leave everyone better than you found them. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to Kajabi dot com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people because they're all gonna give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for listening to The Art of Charm. Get more confidence, relationship skills, life hacks, and everything for the extraordinary man at theartofcharmpodcast.com.